Hi guys, Stefan here for episode three of Talking About Tracy Chapman, the Tracy Chapman fan podcast. And today's guest is Steve the Deacon Hunter. Now, Steve has played with Lou Reed as well as Aerosmith, but he's most notably known for playing the guitar riff and Peter Gabriel's Salisbury Hill. Now, that's legendary. Hey, Steve, how are you doing today? I'm okay, man. Thanks so much for joining us um, on the podcast. It's great to have you. Um, where are you Where are you calling from today? I'm speaking to you from Altea, Spain, which is where we're living now. So today we'll be talking a bit about your work with Tracy. Um, could you tell us a bit more about how you guys first met? Um, well, it's kind of confusing, really. I didn't know exactly what was going on with her career. I mean, I knew who she was, of course. I loved Fast Car and all that stuff. And it was really a weird, ironic sort of thing. One day, I, was, I happened to be thinking about her, and um, the phone rang. This guy's on the phone, and he said, I work with Tracy Chapman's management and wanted to know if you'd be interested in possibly touring with her. She's doing the Lilith Fair, and could you send over some music and a resume? I said, yeah, and I did, and... Long story short, the next thing I know, I'm on an airplane up to rehearsal. Great. So um, the Lilith Fair concerts were organized by Natalie Merchant. And if I remember correctly, it was an all-female cast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first one. She did the first one. So you got off the plane and, um, and you landed. Um, what were your first impressions then? Well, I didn't, I, to be honest, I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, I'd, I had learned, um, I think, about 30 of her songs for rehearsal. And um, so, I, I, obviously, I knew her, I knew a lot about her music. Up to that point, I'd only really known about Fast Car, right. and, um, which I thought was brilliant. I thought it was a brilliant piece of work. I thought it was a brilliant uh, video. And I love the fact that she was kind of a rebel in amongst the 80s, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I... I really loved that about her. So I knew I knew that song, but I didn't know much about her other song. So learning the material, I got to dive really deeply into her material and what she was all about. And uh, so I kind of knew what to expect, but I didn't know anything about her personally. When I got there, she was kind of shy, you know. It, it didn't take long for us to, to all start feeling like we were in a band, you know. It was pretty cool. You said 30 songs. It's quite a lot to remember. Did you play all 30 in the end? No. What what we did was we learned about uh, well, it's 25 or 30. I know it was quite a few, but she wanted to have a, a group to pick from, oh, you know, okay. because on the Lilith Fair, I think we only did 25 minutes or 30 minutes because mm-hmm. there were so many women on the bill. You know, there were, God, there's like 10, I think, or so every day. So obviously we couldn't do a two hour show. But we might have done a little bit longer, maybe up to 45 minutes. So she wanted to have a to be able to have a selection of songs. So we didn't play all of them. Besides, the, the other thing I liked about Tracy is um, by the time I had ended touring with her, I think I knew about 45 of her songs, 40 songs. Wow. And um, I liked that because every night she could change the set list slightly. As a musician, it keeps everything, keeps you on your edge, which is a good thing. And um, there are also times when she would change things just a little bit, you know, change the groove a little or something like that. It was a lot of fun. 
for, for uh, musicians, that's very exciting and a lot of fun to do. So I didn't mind, uh, besides she's, God, she wrote such great songs. I didn't mind knowing 45 of her songs. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just, they were all great songs. So, I mean, it was like, it, you know, it was great. To, you just never knew which one she was going to pick. It was cool. So I mentioned earlier that you have toured with Lou Reed and Aerosmith. Could you tell us a little bit about how touring with Tracy differs from, from those experiences? Well, yeah, it was a, it was a almost 180 degrees because, you know, uh, Tracy is more like, I hate to use the term, but she was more kind of folky, kind of folk rock, you know? Well, yeah. These other, like Lou and Alice and stuff, that, that much more powerful, hard rock and roll right in your face stuff. So, it, but it was good for me because I got to play something other than just electric guitar all night long. I got to play mandolin and a dulcimer and dobro as well as electric guitar and acoustic guitar and stuff. So I got to play a lot of different instruments and it just kept the, kept it really interesting and, and cool for me. And um, I liked the experience of doing that sort of thing on stage as opposed to what I was used to. Kind of get me out of my comfort zone, you know. The uh, audiences... Uh, strangely enough, were just as receptive to Tracy. You know, they were when a, a Tracy audience came to see Tracy, they came there because they really loved her, and um, you could feel it just as soon as you walked on stage that everybody out there loved being there. So it was a really cool experience. Could you tell us a bit more specifically about the um, concert for? Amnesty International in Paris. That looked phenomenal. I've watched video footage on the DVD, which was released, and yeah, it just looks incredible. Oh, that was amazing! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, that, was a, that was a really wonderful experience. So you already mentioned playing lots of instruments on stage, and I know that you're credited on Tracy's album as playing dulcimer, the electric guitar, the lap steel guitar. Could you give us a little insight into the recording process with Tracy? Well, on that particular album, I didn't play on the basic tracks. So in other words, I came in a little later and overdubbed stuff. Tracy, I, I think she likes, now I don't know for sure, you'd probably have to ask her, but I think she likes the, uh, when she does her basic tracks, she likes to have a very small sort of core uh, group of instruments, uh, like just her bass and drums, maybe, or something, or maybe her bass, drums, and keyboard, but keep it really small and then add things later. I think that's how she likes to work. And I've actually worked with a lot of people that do that. I like to do that myself. So um, I understood. So basically what I did was I came in for, oh, I don't know, about a week maybe, and did overdubs. We tried various things, and some things didn't work, you know. But um, I think I worked on it for about a week, and that was wonderful. For me, recording in the studio is always a wonderful experience, you know, it always is. Thanks for that. It's a really interesting insight. After Back for the Album, you went on tour again, April to September, through 84 dates in the U.S., Europe, U.S. of Sting, and then solo U.S. tour to close out. Um, did you do all of that? Yes, I did, yeah. What was going on then? Were you... Were you exhausted, excited? How was touring? Well, you know, it wasn't as exhausting as some. The uh, Touring is exhausting. I don't care how you do it. I mean, I have friends who played in bands like Fleetwood Mac and stuff. And, you know, it's it's a pretty posh tour, you know. I mean, they fly first class and they stay in wonderful hotels and stuff. And they still tell me, you know, by the end of the tour, I'm just beat to death. It's like just touring, traveling mm -hmm. wears you out. It, it beats you up. There's no way around that. 
But but Tracy, the wonderful thing about her, I think she did this to to save her voice. Okay. Uh, she never did more than two shows back to back. So if we did two shows, we always had a day off afterwards. So yeah. that makes it less grueling. Like some touring I've done is five days a week, seven days a week. Now that beats you up. That beats you up a lot. But I think her tour was was very gentle and probably as relaxed as you can get it and still tour, you know. Okay, yeah. So in all of that 84 dates mentioned, was there any personal highlight for you? Well, yeah, there's a lot of them, actually. But one of the main ones is when we played with Pavarotti. Um, Oh, of course. Was that for the Cambodian Tibet um, concert? For the children, the uh, children of Tibet and Cambodia. That was, a first of all, it was a wonderful experience because one of the things I loved about Tracy, we did a lot of shows for the Dalai Lama and for Tibet. So this was just another one, you know, the, the Pavarotti thing that the Dalai Lama was there and the, the, the Tibetan children were absolutely delightful. They were the most wonderful kids. Absolutely. There was like a little Tibetan, I think it was Tibetan Cambodia. They had joined forces, children's choir saying it was beautiful. But for me, standing on stage in front of an 80 piece orchestra and then hearing Tracy Chapman and Pavarotti coming out of my monitor was heavenly. <laughs> Uh, it's got to be one of the best experiences I've ever had. So you played alongside the orchestra and Pavarotti? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds incredible. It was incredible. Yeah, it was really incredible. Okay, so we ask everyone um, this question every week. Uh, if you had to choose one Tracy Chapman song that isn't First Cut, which one would you choose and why? Well, you know, that's a tough one because... And I'm not trying to cop out. The reason that's a tough one is because every song she writes has got is a gem. And I know that sounds a little silly because you think, oh, well, God, nobody can write everything's great. But I'm telling you, if you go back and you listen to Tracy Chapman albums, it's very yeah. difficult to pick out one track that you think, oh, yeah, that's because they're all good. They're all so well crafted. She writes such great lyrics and melody. If I had to pick one, I enjoyed playing the most. There were two, really. Uh, one is Give Me One Reason, because it was it was really basically blues. So, And I'm a blues guy on the most levels. I'm a blues guy, where I started, and that's, that's me. That's the core of me. So it was a blues tune, so it, it was a joy to play it every night, because I got to play blues, you know. So probably that one, but the, the second one would be Fast Car. It's just, I, I heard those lyrics every night, and I never got tired of them. Never got yeah. tired of that song. Never got tired of playing that song. When we played in Ireland, we played Dublin. Tracy has an enormous following in Ireland. And we were on stage. Every song we played, the audience, the entire audience sang every note with mm-hmm. us. And it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard in my life to hear the whole entire audience. They weren't like singing like drunk singers, you know. It sounded like a choir. It sounded like they were thing and we were doing our show in front of a choir every night we did that we did three nights in a row there uh before we went down to paris to do the amnesty show we just did three nights just to warm up and every single night the audience sang every song it was magic it was absolutely magic it was the most one of the most intense experiences i've ever had on stage really like i say picking a song with her is really difficult 
But those two, I think, I probably look forward to playing every night. I couldn't agree more with what you said about the fact that every song is a gem. I've been a fan since as long as I can remember. And yeah. uh, to see her progression um, in music style is is also quite inspiring from simple but deeply impactful folk songs, as you said, to yeah. the more sort of nuanced and expression type songs in sort of let it rain there's a lot of picture painting with words and there's not an exact meaning to those later songs but it leaves a lot for the audience to sort of interpret themselves exactly yeah well you go from you go from fast car or new beginnings to uh telling stories and there's just this thread that runs through everything and it's just brilliant writing (laughs) you know there's just no there's no two ways about it that's she doesn't put it on vinyl unless it's brilliant, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can see, you know. Absolutely. Well, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today. It's been a great insight into to sort of the work you've been doing and the work you've done on tour. So I guess the last question would be if, if she were to, to tour again and we've been waiting some time now and you got the call again, would you, would you be there? You know, I think I'd be there in a heartbeat. I honestly do because I just enjoyed the musicality and uh, the fact that every night something new happened and just getting to play brilliant songs every night. Yeah, I think I probably would jump on it. Amazing. Thank you again for speaking to us. And yeah, it was, um, it was great. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Talking About Tracy Chapman. Episode 4 will be coming your way very soon, but in the meantime, I want to just congratulate Greg McIntosh for winning the um, signed Tracy Chapman vinyl competition. I will send that on its way to you very soon. And for those who weren't fortunate enough to win, thank you very much for entering. And there will be more competitions coming your way very soon via the social media pages. So keep in touch and keep looking out for those. 